So we've been talking about living your life ablaze for many weeks. God's looking for a church that's ablaze for him. Do you know that? Let's start in 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9. 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9. We've got it up on the screen there if you uh, weren't able to bring your Bible. It says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. It's a good scripture, isn't it? To live your life ablaze for him requires something from you. Do you know that? To live your life ablaze for God requires something from you. We've been spending a a considerable amount of time talking about living our lives ablaze because this is what God desires from us. He desires that each one of us, our lives would be ablaze for him. When we're fully committed to God, when we're ablaze for him, we're going to have a solid foundation because we're building our lives upon his word. We've talked about that, haven't we? When we're ablaze for him, our faith is going to be strengthened as our prayers are answered because we're praying according to God's word. We've talked about that as well, haven't we? We're going to be ablaze for him. We're going to live our lives in confidence as we live in the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit. We talked about that last week. But all of these things require something of you. Let's look at what John the Baptist said in John chapter 3 and verse 30. John the Baptist said, he must increase, but I must decrease. This is what we must also do if we want Christ to increase in our lives. We must decrease so that Christ can increase. Amen? This isn't the easiest thing. I recognize that own struggle in my life sometimes. But I want to see a move of God in my life personally as well as those around me. And in order for that to happen, Brad's going to have to decrease in order that Christ will increase in my life. That doesn't mean that I erase myself. The Lord created my personality. He created me to be who I am. It doesn't mean that I'm wiping the hard drive here. It simply means that I'm taking a step backwards so that Christ's light can shine in my life. And I'm all right living in Christ's shadow because when we live in Christ's shadow, that's actually where we thrive. Did you know that? One thing you'll notice when you read the Bible, is that wherever God's presence is, so were his blessings. Time and time again, wherever God's blessings or wherever God's presence was, that's where his blessings were. So we want to decrease so that Christ increases in our lives because where his presence is, we want his presence in our lives, right? Where his presence is, there are his blessings. I'm sure we all would like God's blessings in our lives, wouldn't we? Is there anyone here who wouldn't like God's blessings in their lives? I hope no one would raise their hand and someone, no one would say no. I'm sure we all want God's blessings in our lives. But the honest truth is that so many people are afraid of letting go. In order for us to decrease, we actually have to let go. 
And I get that, that that's not the easiest thing to do at times. Sometimes we're afraid of decreasing, like John the Baptist said, because we're, we're holding too tight on the things of this world. But the things of this world are only a mirage. They're a deception. Real freedom is found when we let go of those things. The things of this world are what are holding us back. If we want to move forward with Christ, if we want to decrease so that Christ can increase in our life, then we have to let go of those things. Our walk with Christ is a step-by-step process. It's a daily thing. There's not one person in this room has gone from zero to hero overnight. None of us have. It's a process, and we're all a, a work in progress, aren't we? If there's anyone that says, I'm perfect, run as far and as fast away from them as you can because they're the farthest thing from that, all right? There is no perfect person in this world. The only perfect person who ever came to this world came from heaven and lived as a man, and his name was Jesus Christ. There is no one else that can fill those shoes. Only God was perfect. Only Jesus was perfect. You know, I grew up in a a Christian home. And as a small child, I had a real relationship with the Lord. But there was a time in my life uh, where, because my, my dad was working a lot of hours, he was working a lot of overtime, we stopped going to church for about three years. And those three years were were very difficult for my two sisters and myself. All three of us really struggled. And one thing I want to say is parents, keep your kids in church. It's important. It really is. You know, I've heard different times people say, well, you know, my son or daughter didn't, didn't want to go to church, so I just let them stay home. They're not the parent. They're not the mom. They're not the dad. Those three years that I was away from church were probably the, the, th- the three worst years of my life. The things that the devil came in, you know, we know the devil comes in to steal, to kill, and to cause destruction. He did that to myself, my older sister, and my younger sister. Church is important. Being in here, the Bible says iron sharpens iron. We need each other for one thing. We encourage one another. We lift each other up. But there's something about coming together corporately where there's something important about that. God's presence is in there. So during those three years, I walked away from the Lord. It was a rough time. But then after those three years, we started going back to church. And it's like that fire was rekindled inside of me. And I made a commitment to the Lord at 16, and I've never looked back. Not long after I gave my life to the Lord, recommitted my life to him, I got baptized in water. And it wasn't long after that that I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I've never looked back. I've been fully committed to the Lord since. That doesn't mean that I haven't had my struggles That doesn't mean I haven't had my good days or my bad days. We all have those, right? None of us wake up and roll on the the good side of the bed every single day, do we? Sometimes we, we get out on the wrong side of the bed. We have a bad attitude, and we have to deal with things in our lives, don't we? But it's been a process in my life, and I've been growing in my walk with the Lord ever since. I'm 50 years old now. That was when I was 16. It's been a lot of years. It's taken me all this time to get to where I am now. Sometimes the Lord does a quick work 
in people's lives. And you're like, wow, they are, there is such a transformation in their life. It's like night and day. Others of us, it's something that we have to walk out. Why is it that way? I don't know. Maybe when we get to heaven, we can ask the Lord. Ask the Lord about that. But it's a daily process for all of us, isn't it? So we're growing, but this journey is always moving us forward. It's never moving us back. God is always moving us forward, forward with him. Turn to Philippians chapter 3 and verses 13 and 14. It says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. This is the New Living Translation. I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. A great lie of the devil is that you have to have your life perfect in order to move forward with him. But the apostle Paul said that even he hadn't achieved that. If the Apostle Paul, who wrote three-fourths of the New New Testament, hadn't yet achieved that kind of perfecthood that we think we need to live in constantly, God's not expecting that of us. He's not expecting us to be perfect. Listen, I've talked to so many people through the years, and they say, well, I want to move forward with the Lord, but I need this. I need to do this. I need to clean up this part of my life. I need to do this and that. Listen, you just start taking steps. Don't think that you have to get all your ducks in order, that you have to make your life perfect in order to move forward with God. He'll deal with those things when he needs to deal with those things in your life. Just start taking steps forward and let God do his work in your life because you can't do it. You can't do it on your own. A lot of us have tried, and we've just made a mess of things, haven't we? You have to trust God. This walk with God is a walk of faith. And each step you take is a step of faith. Do you know the direction you're going? You know, like walking with the Lord, sometimes I look at, look at it like we're, we're walking in a fog. It's not like we're walking in a fog, but I'm just saying we don't know all that all those steps ahead of us are going to be. Where I grew up in, in Washington State, in America, you know, there'd be a lot of times where we'd have this really thick, heavy fog come in and I'd have to go to work in the morning and you couldn't see a thing like not a thing like you couldn't see from here to the to the curtains there to the blinds like the, it was that thick and you're driving really slow down the road because you have no idea what's ahead you can't tell if there's a bend in the road if it's straight like which direction you're going but as you're moving forward slowly more of that road is revealed It's like that in our lives. You just keep taking a step of faith forward in the Lord and more of the direction that he's going to lead you in your life is revealed. But you have to take those steps and you have to do those by faith. And as long as you're in your body of yours, the only time you're not going to be in your body is when? When you die. As long as you're in that body, you're going to deal with things in your life. And it's going to be a daily thing where you have to, as the Bible says, crucify your flesh. You have to do that. 
You have to crucify your flesh. You wake up in the morning and say, I'm choosing, I'm making the decision today where I'm moving forward with God. Amen? You've got to do that. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. And everything that God does is always to our benefit. Did you know that? He's never going to do anything that's going to hinder or harm you. Everything that he does is always to your benefit. It's always to your gain. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Listen, you know, I have, uh, I have some friends where they have a minister friend that just went home to be with the Lord, you know, and they were feeling a little down uh, about it. And I'm like, listen, they're up there with that great cloud of witnesses. Those are the people in heaven who have gone, who have gone before us who are now cheering us on. As we run our race, I used to run track and field uh, years ago. I was fast, not fast enough. But I used to run track and field, and it's great when, when you have the crowd, like, cheering, cheering you on as you're running your race. You know, if they're booing you, you don't feel like doing anything. But when they're cheering you on, right, you feel like running faster. It gives you, like, some, some added, like, I don't know, oomph, I guess, in your run and what you're doing. Well, we need to realize that we have a crowd of witnesses, those who have gone before us in Christ, who are cheering us on. We're running a race. We're not just living, you know, if we just look at our lives like we're just living another day, it gets very mundane, doesn't it? But there's a lot more to life. We need to be eternal-minded. So it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off... Every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that, is so, that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Let's be a church that sees the larger picture here. Let's be a church that sees the eternal picture here and be determined to cast off all these weights, all these hindrances, all these sins that are holding us back. And holding us down. Let's be determined to live our lives ablaze for the Lord. Amen? So this morning, we're going to be talking about living ablaze again, but living ablaze with worship. I wasn't sure which direction this was, this was going to go until I really start putting the, the message together. And the Lord just started, you know, sometimes you feel like, you know, you're, you're just being downloaded on. And you just start putting things together, and the Holy Spirit just puts it all together. So this is, gone, this is going to go a little different direction than I thought it was originally, but I think it's really going to be a blessing, blessing to you. So there's a few things we're going to talk about. First, we're going to talk about what is worship. Then we're going to talk about true worship. Then we're going to talk about the Lord inhabits our praise. And then finally, how to become a worshiper. All right, so if you're taking notes, those are the four things we're going to follow here. We're going to start with what is worship? Well, what do you think of when you hear the word worship? You may think of singing in church like we were this morning. You may think of like a, a worship service, like the, like the whole church service as a whole. But worship extends broader than just that. Singing unto the Lord is only a part of of our worship. 
Singing is actually an expression of our worship. Worship is actually making the daily decision to live our lives for the Lord. Spirit, soul, and body, it's giving the entirety of our lives to him. That's what worship is. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15, says, Therefore, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Well, what does it mean to sacrifice something? When we sacrifice something, that means that we are giving something up, right? Here, praise is called a sacrifice. How many of you felt like praising the Lord this morning? Some of us did. Some of us didn't. That's okay. Sometimes it's a sacrifice. Like you, you position yourself. You have to position yourself, get yourself into that place. Sometimes we just have to quiet our minds because maybe we have other things from our week that we're bringing in here with us, concerns that we have. But as we quiet our minds and as we just focus on the Lord, as we make that sacrifice, the Lord's able to work out oftentimes those things that we brought in and you leave with answers. It's an amazing thing. So we make a sacrifice But worship isn't only offering the Lord a song and a hand clap on Sunday. It's offering him your life. You know, if if the sacrifice of praise is just singing, and it says that we're supposed to do that continually, how many of you could sing that sacrifice of praise to the Lord for the rest of this week, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, right? That's impossible for us to do. All of us would lose our voices. So the Lord must be talking about something different here than just singing. What he's talking about is an abandonment to God, giving your life to him, abandoning self, giving him your life. You know, Christ sacrificed his life in place of ours. And in return, he expects something from us. Do you know that? He expects us to abandon our lives to him. He gave us his life. He expects us to give him our lives. That's a sacrifice of praise. So in verse 3, well, let's go to Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4 here real quick. It says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. So it says that we have died to this life, and that our real life is where? Our real life is in Christ. The problem some of us may have is that we're trying to hold on to the things of this world. And we're trying to hold on to perhaps some of our old sinful selves. Maybe some of us are struggling to let go of those things. But this is why it's called a sacrifice of praise. When Jesus rose from the dead, 
He didn't keep on the grave clothes, did he? He left those things behind. That's what we need to do. We need to leave the things of this world, the cares of this world. We need to leave those things behind. We need to let those things go. Trying to hold on to those things, trying to hold on to our sinful past is the result of pride. If you want to live your life ablaze for Christ, then you have to take that step to kill that pride. And you're going to do that through your sacrifice of praise. In James chapter 4 and verse 10, it says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will what? He will lift you up. You see, worship begins with humility. It's giving your glory and giving God the glory. Or it's giving up your glory, sorry. It's giving up your glory and giving God the glory. In Christian circles, Worship has kind of morphed to mean a certain type of music or a genre of music. But worship is a lot more than simply singing. It's a lot more than just a song. Singing is an important part of our worship for many reasons, as we're going to see in just a moment. But worship is so much more than just that. Worship is an expression of our worship of God. True worship is offering your life to the Lord. The Apostle Paul said this in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. In the NIV, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your spiritual act of worship. Worship begins with our heart. It begins by placing our life on the altar of sacrifice. If we want to be true worshipers and experience God's habitating and abiding presence in our lives, then we need to give up ourselves entirely to him. Some of us may be holding back. And because of that, we're limiting God's presence in our lives. You'll never experience the abiding presence of God in your life until you finally choose to let go. Listen, what are you waiting for? For pigs to fly? Let me tell you a little story. I've actually seen pigs fly. Yeah? May surprise you. So, a number of years ago, we were on a, a trip in America and we were driving uh, from where Amy's family is in Chicago, or not Chicago, Michigan. We had to go through Chicago. And on our way then from Chicago to a city called Des Moines, Iowa, uh, we were behind this lorry on the motorway. And it was a really big lorry, and it was like a, a, it had a big trailer for livestock, you know, and they have a lot of different, I don't know, like holes and different things in the trailer for the livestock to breathe and whatever else. Anyways, we're, we're driving down the road, and I don't know if this is the same, the same trip. You can tell me if it, if it was or wasn't, Aiden, but... Not too long before that, in another state, there was a deer that ran across the motorway and, and jumped right in front of our, our vehicle, and I saw it coming, and I just braced the, the vehicle, and I said, Jesus, just called out his name. And the deer hit the, the front of the car and went underneath, and we were all safe. And amazingly, this is in the, the, the imagine like fast traffic in, in Dublin, where the, the motorway is just 
full of cars, you know, and a deer comes across the road, hits a vehicle, and, and amazingly, like there wasn't any kind of accident at all. I just wound up having to keep going. I felt bad for the deer, but there was nothing I could do. I couldn't move to the left because I had the center median uh, on the road. I couldn't move to the, the right because there's cars right there. I couldn't speed up because uh, there's a car right in front of me. I look in my rearview mirror. You know, all this is happening like, like that. You know, and you just have to make these quick decisions. Anyways, there wasn't any accident. So later on this trip, uh, we're driving then from, from Michigan over to this church in Des Moines, Iowa. And all of a sudden, there's these little piglets that just start coming out of, out of, this, out of this lorry, out of the trailer. You know, and they're like, whoo, like flying for just a split second, right? And then they hit the median and then, then roll, and we're like, trying to avoid all these piglets, and it was crazy. I've seen pigs fly, all right? So if you're waiting for pigs to fly, that's no longer a valid excuse, all right? I've seen that happen. But we need to let go of those things in our lives. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 20, it says, For you were bought with a price. Therefore glory, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Christ paid the ultimate price for you to avoid and to be rid of the bondage and the penalty of sin. The very least that we could do for him is to give our lives back, to offer our lives back to him. Well, how do we do that? How do we, how do we give our lives? How do we sacrifice our lives back to him? You just do that by yielding your life to him. You just give it to him. You just yield it. Instead of going the direction you want to go, instead of doing what you want to do, you ask the Lord, which direction would you like me to go? What would you like me to do, Lord, with my life? In Romans chapter 12, 1, the Apostle Paul said that this is your spiritual act of worship. What we need to realize is that if we want to experience all that God has for us in this life, it begins with us just letting go. When we make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior, what are we doing in that? We're letting go. We're laying our lives at the altar and picking up Christ, aren't we? Let's look at John chapter 4, in verse 23 and 24. Jesus said, But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Now, there's several great things in the scripture, but we're just going to look at in context of this, of what is true worship. The word worship here is the Greek word proskuneo. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that right, but it's probably pretty close. Which just means to prostrate oneself in homage or reverence. You know what prostrate is? It just means you lay down. Probably none of you could see that. I was just laying down on the floor. You just prostrate yourself before the Lord. This is a position of humility, isn't it? Like if I came up to you, and you said, hi, Brad, how are you doing? I just lay down before you, you know, hi, how are you doing? I just prostrate myself before you. Probably be like, what are you doing? You know, but it's a position of humility. A prideful person isn't going to bow their knee 
before anyone, and they're certainly not going to prostrate themselves before someone. But this is what God is looking for in our lives. It's an act of prostrating yourself before him. And it's not necessarily physically doing that, though you can do that in worship. I've seen people lay down and just worship the Lord. But it's a heart issue. It's an issue of our humility. True worship is laying your life at the foot of the cross and picking up the life of Christ. And you can only do this through humility. Let's look at Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If you desire to truly worship, then square one is the abandonment of serving yourself. It's being a living sacrifice. It's daily crucifying yourself, what you want, what your desires are, and living by faith in Christ Jesus. Let's talk about the Lord inhabit, inhabiting our, our praise. Let's talk about the, the singing aspect of all this with our praise and worship. I remember as a, as a small child just singing songs to the Lord in my bed. My parents put me to bed. They wanted me to go to sleep. But instead, I'm in there singing songs to the Lord. My bedroom was, was, was just off the sitting room down the hall, so they had to have heard me singing, but they never came in and told me to be quiet. I'm just in there on my bed just singing to the Lord. And his presence was so strong in my bedroom as a small child. You know, sometimes I think we discount what, what children can experience in the Lord. God's presence was there in my bedroom as I'm singing to him. My parents never came in. They probably just enjoyed it. Like if, if any of my kids, if I heard them singing some worship song in their bedroom, you know, I probably wouldn't stop them either. What a, what a precious thing. It's an amazing thing. And my parents were probably just happy with that. But all these years later, I actually still remember the songs that I was singing. I was probably like six, seven years old. Still remember the songs that I sang. When you're in the presence of the Lord, you don't forget that. There's nothing else that you can experience in this life, in this world, that's like the presence of the Lord. It's such a sweet, sweet presence. Like everything else in your life doesn't even matter any longer. All the cares, all the concerns that you had, like everything, you don't even give those things a thought. I've been in that presence as a child. In Psalm chapter 22, in verse 3, in the King James Version, it says, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. There's something very special about authentic praise and worship. The psalmist David here says the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. When we come in here on Sunday mornings and we're having praise and worship, what are we doing? Are we just singing songs? 
Or are we welcoming in the presence of the Lord? Do you know that you can do that in your own personal life outside of church as well? I can't tell you how many times I've been driving down the motorway just singing and praising to the Lord, and I just start crying. Sometimes I just put my sunglasses on so <laughs> people don't think something's weird in my car, but sometimes you're just, you're just praising and worshiping the Lord. It can be in your car. It doesn't matter where you are. The Bible says the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. What does that mean? What does it mean that the Lord inhabits our praise? The Hebrew word for inhabit is yashab. It means to abide, to dwell, to settle, to remain. So when the Bible says that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people, he's saying that he comes and abides in our praises. He comes and dwells in our praises. He settles upon that praise. It's in his presence that his anointing comes. We want that in our lives. We want that in our church. Listen, I am hungry for God's presence in this church because it's not my great preaching, and I've listened to myself on podcasts. It's not great preaching. It's not my preaching that's going to change people's lives. Although I'm preaching God's word, his word is going to change people's lives. But what I want as I'm preaching, what I want as we're doing and worship is I want God's abiding presence here because more can happen in one second of the Lord's presence in this room than years and years of my teaching and preaching and years and years of us being up here singing. We need the presence of the Lord in this church. We are not going to be effective in anything we do without the abiding presence in the Holy Spirit in our lives and in this church. We might as well just turn out the lights, shut the door, and go home. We need the Holy Spirit in this church, and we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. So often in the presence of the Lord, the Holy Spirit's working miracles in people's hearts and in their lives. You know, we don't know what's going on in people's lives when they come in. We don't know what's going on in people's hearts and in their minds as they're lifting their hands to the Lord in surrender. A lot of times, I know just for, for personally for myself, a lot of times the Lord's speaking to me different things. There's one time, you know, I talked about a number of times my, my trip to India. One thing that was interesting on that trip is before I could minister, I couldn't, I couldn't actually come up with a message to minister like I would try before a service, I would try to come up with something to say, even put two words together. I couldn't. I'd look in the back of the Bible just looking for a scripture, couldn't put anything together. And it wasn't until I'd get to the service and we'd start doing the praise and worship part. And listen, I didn't understand any of the words of praise and worship going on. It was in a different nation. I didn't speak the, I didn't speak the language. But in that, in praise and worship, the Lord would just, and I'd know exactly what it was that I was supposed to speak. There are amazing things that happen when we praise and worship the Lord. And when we come to do that corporately, when all of us bring something, that's something special to the Lord. It really is. I don't know why people discount the amazing miracles and the things that happen when we come together corporately to praise and worship the Lord. 
I've been to a lot of different churches over the years, and almost every single church that I've been to, half the people come in halfway through praise and worship. They're missing out. The Bible says that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. I don't want to make anyone feel bad. Sometimes I've run late and I've come in. There was one time years ago, uh, Pastor and Amy, I'm going to tell on ourselves, at our our church in in Tulsa, Oklahoma, we were running so far behind. I'm like, Amy, I'm not going in that late. Like one of the associate pastors is always in the hall. He's going to see us coming in. And he's going to know we're coming in like 40 minutes late. I'm like, I'm not, going, I'm not going to our church this morning. Let's go to another church. There's this other church. I know they have another second service. <laughs> we can be on time for that one, but I'm not going to our church that late. I just can't do it, you know. So I've been there, trust me. So I don't want to make anyone feel bad for coming in, but I'm telling you, when we come together all of us expecting, expecting God to move in our church, in our service, in our hearts. When we bring our supply and we lift our hands and we just worship the Lord and just let everything else go, there are amazing things that are going to happen, one, in your life, but because you're bringing that as well, things are going to happen in other people's lives as well. You know, this is something that we want. We want people to come to our church and experience God. I'm not interested in just doing church. I don't want to just do church and just do normal and be normal and say normal. I want God's presence. If we don't have this in in our church, then I've already told the Lord a number of times, I don't want to do this. I can't do this without you, Lord. I'm not a good enough speaker. I'm not a good enough singer. Amy does pretty great. The team, the worship team does fantastic. But they can't do that without the Lord. This isn't a performance. It's not a concert. We want the inhabiting presence of God in what we do. And one of the major vehicles of God's presence in our lives and corporately is through praise and worship. I remember a church I was attending years ago during praise and worship. I remember just raising my hands in surrender to the Lord. And I don't know how many times it just felt like I was sticking my hands up into a cloud. The Lord's presence was there. I remember other times as people were praising and worshiping another church that I was at, the presence of the Lord was there so strong that the place just erupted in praise. People stand up, started shouting, started dancing, started running, just praising the Lord. Sounds a little wild. But when you encounter the presence of God, how are you going to react? We'll find out. Because we're going to experience the presence of God here. There's been other times during praise and worship where God's presence is welcome and the Holy Spirit is moving and people are getting healed. Not because they come forward and someone lays hands on them. They're getting healed right in their chairs. People are giving their lives to Christ right in their chairs during praise and worship. Like this thing that's happening up here is something amazing. God inhabits the praises of his people. When we come in and we have an attitude and we're determined that we're going to praise the Lord, I am receiving something from you today, Lord. You're not going to be disappointed. 
God's never going to let you down. He's never going to give you a rain check and say, well, not this week, maybe next week. He's always going to meet you. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. Listen, I've been, a, I've been around enough, long enough, to know that the Holy Spirit isn't welcome in every church. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But we're going to be determined that in this church, the Holy Spirit is welcome. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit a lot because we need his ministry in this church and in our lives. Rick Renner, how many of you know who that is? He's a pastor in uh, Siberia, actually, in Russia. He has a great ministry. But he said many churches and Christians have gotten used to living without God's presence. And without his presence, so much of the church today operates without the supernatural involvement of the Holy Spirit. We can't have that. We can't have that. If we're just going to do things in our own power, in our own ability, we're not going to be able to reach this world. We're not going to be able to make a difference. Yes, we're all kind, and we can do kind things and nice things, but we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. Many Christians today approach God very casually, and the result of their casualness towards God results in a very superficial relationship with him. And because of their casual attitude towards God, they seldom experience God's presence, if ever. Their lives are like a yo-yo. It just feels like their life is up and down, up and down, up and down. And that's because, honestly, they don't really have the reverence for God that they need. When we come in and praise the Lord, when we come and worship the Lord, He's not just our friend. He's our God. He sacrificed His life for us. Like, we should have some reverence and some respect for Him. And offer our lives to him because of what he's done for us. And when we do that, when we humble ourselves before him, when we prostrate ourselves before him, he's going to meet us there. He's going to inhabit our praises. If you want to completely revolutionize your life, completely change your life from what it has been, If you want to live your life ablaze for God, then it needs to start with living ablaze in worship, giving your life to him, just letting go, giving him every part of your life. Sometimes I think we partition off parts of our lives to God. I'll give you this area of my life, God, but don't go over here. I kind of like this part. But if we'll yield that to him, the blessings that we gain in return so far surpass anything that we can do on our own. Let me ask you this question today. What are you hungry for? What do you want from God? Are you okay with just living the way you have been, or do you want more of God in your life? Do you want his presence in your life? If you're not experiencing God's presence in your life, then it may be that you're not really a worshiper. So let's quickly look at some practical ways that you can become a worshiper so that you will experience God's presence in your life, and then we'll pray, all right? 
The first one is to make a decision to live ablaze with worship. This begins by making a purposeful decision that you are going to be a worshiper of the Lord. The second one, make the decision to be a living sacrifice. Make the decision to abandon self. Make the decision to decrease so that Christ can increase in your life. Make the decision daily to lay your life at the foot of the cross and take up Christ. The third thing is make time for the Lord. You have to be intentional in this because I know sometimes in our lives we get incredibly busy, but there's nothing more important than God in your life. So you have to make time for the Lord. Set time aside to read and study the Bible every day. Set time aside to pray and worship. The fourth thing is to faithfully attend church. When we gather together and corporately praise the Lord and worship him, the Lord says that he inhabits our praise. We all need to be in his presence. Listen, sometimes our lives are incredibly busy. I've been there before. I've worked like 80 hours a week. You know, I'm driving through red lights, almost getting in car accidents because I'm so exhausted. I've been there in my life. Sometimes you just seem like you don't have enough time. That's where it's really important for you then to make sure that you're in church. Come in church, even though you're a little tired, even though it's hard to get out of bed, and come around fellow believers who are going to lift you up, who are going to encourage you, who can pray with you, and come and abide in the presence of the Lord. Listen, there's no better place to take a nap than in the presence of the Lord at church. All right? There's no better place to come if you're not feeling well. There's no better place to come than at church where people can pray for you. You know, sometimes, a lot of times, that what the devil likes to do is he, he likes to isolate us. We need one another, don't we? I need you. If none of you came this morning, I'd still preach the same. There was one service during the summer. We had one lady come, and she came halfway through praise and worship. <laughs> we still did praise and worship up here. Just like the room was full. You know, we still did a Bible study just like the room was full. It was actually a great service. But we need one another. I need you. You need me. You need the person behind you. You need the person in front of you, beside you. We all encourage one another. But the most important thing about coming to church is the presence of the Lord. Amen? Can we just do something a little different here? I always say I like to do church not as usual. I'm just going to have us sing a song. Might be a song that you know, maybe not. It's one of those songs that I sang as a, as a small child. I'm just going to sing it to you. Why don't you guys all stand up? And as we do this, I just want you to close your eyes. Don't worry about the person around you at all. Don't think about anything else. Just listen to the words, and then we're going to sing it all together. And as we do that, I just want you to raise your hands, whether you're used to that or not, whether you're comfortable with that or not, just lift your hands and surrender to the Lord. Just take that step of faith and just begin letting go. Can we do that? So we're just going to sing this song. It just goes like this. I love you, Lord, and I live. 
worship you, O my soul, rejoice. Take joy, my King, in what you hear. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Let's just sing that again. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, O my soul, rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Hallelujah. Lord, I just thank you this morning, Lord, that your presence is here. Lord, as we just lift our hands and praise you, Lord, you inhabit our praise. Thank you, Lord, that you're working in hearts. Thank you, Lord, that you're working in bodies. Thank you, Lord, that you're working in minds. Thank you, Lord, that you're performing miracles in this place this morning. Listen, if there's anything that you need from the Lord this morning, the Lord's presence, the Lord's presence is here. Just yield your life to him. Whatever it is, just give that to him. If it's healing that you need in your body, then just ask him for healing in your body. If it's healing you need in your mind, just ask him for healing in your mind. If you need a financial miracle in your life, just ask him to move in your finances. Listen, the Lord can do amazing miracles in his presence when we just yield our lives to him by faith. Thank you, Lord, to doing something in all of our lives here, Lord. Lord, don't let us leave this place the same. Don't let us walk out of this room, Lord, the same. Let something be changed in our hearts, Lord. We need you in our lives, God. We need you in our homes. We need you in our marriages. We need you in our relationships. We need you in our families, Lord. We need you in our friendships. We need you on the job, Lord. We need you in every part of our life, God. Lord, we just yield our lives to you. We just prostrate ourselves to you. We come before you humbly. And we know, Lord, that when we do, you lift us up. I just thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
we just worship you. Just worship the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for changing our lives. Just let the Holy Spirit do a work in your heart this morning. Just welcome in him. Let him do what Jesus sent him to do in your life. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 You know, this doesn't need to stop here. You can leave this place and take the presence of the Lord with you. The Bible says that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You can take him wherever you go. Any time of the day, if you call out for the Lord, he's right there. We need him in our lives. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You know, my pastor, you know, he says sometimes he just, he just waits to see if the Holy Spirit wants to go a direction, he, he calls it like just circling the airport like an airplane does, just seeing where to land. That's what I'm doing right now. Just checking inside, seeing if the Holy Spirit wants us to go in another direction or if we're done. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. the sweet presence of the Lord in this room, isn't there? Thank you, Jesus. You know, it's changed my life over the years is the presence of the Lord. You know, when you experience the presence of God, you, you can't be the same. Like you're almost forced to be different, do different, see things different. And one thing that we desire at Triumph Church, it's the same thing that happens in here. We want happening in our children's ministry. We want happening in our youth ministry. Because it's important for children and youth to experience God's presence for themselves because one day they're going to move out of our homes. And if they had never experienced the presence of God while they lived under our roof, then that's a shame because the presence of God changes things. I don't know if that's a song or not. But the presence of God changes things.
Everywhere Jesus went, miracles happened. Lives were changed, weren't they? In the New Testament, when the Holy Spirit was moving through the church, miracles were happening and lives were changed, weren't they? It's what we need in our lives. God's presence. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't have any other direction to go here, so we'll just land that plane. <laughs> but take this presence with you. Like throughout this week, you know, don't let that go. Be a worshiper. Keep taking those steps forward, amen? Next week, like I said, we have Discover Triumph, you know, Every week, every week, I think we're, we're learning something new about the church, aren't we? Me too. I'm the pastor, but the Holy Spirit, God, is in control here. This is God's church. We're just going whichever direction he wants us to go. 